We've been talking about words and the power of words and planting seed in the kingdom of God, which is inside you on purpose, that what you say matters, that what you believe in your heart, what you say with your mouth, it really matters. And it's how miracles are made. It's how salvation came uh, by believing and then saying something. And that's why people who pray a little prayer online or in person, they pray a little simple prayer and boom, their spirit is saved, their soul is saved, their name is registered in heaven, and they're born again just by a simple belief and a simple word. Never despise what you say out of your mouth and what you believe in your heart. That is how you're gonna set your course for life. It's never just hear it and believe it and be silent about it. Salvation doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen because you just think it. Even in the book of Acts chapter 8, if you recall, Philip met this eunuch who had been seeking the Lord, reading the Old Testament, didn't understand it. Philip explained it. And then the, the eunuch said, what stops me from getting baptized right now? And Philip said, nothing is lo- If you believe uh, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you may. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he dunked him. But he didn't dunk him until he heard it out of his mouth. And that's why we make people say it out of their mouth. You got to get verbal about Jesus Christ. You got to truthfully from your heart say that he can be your Lord and you got to mean it. And then boom, you're saved. And then boom, you get wet. And we'll dunk you right out there in the fountain today if you want to. So if today you make Jesus the Lord of your life, if today you confess Jesus is my Lord, I believe he's the son of God. Bam, Jesus does something in your soul, in your spirit, in your soul, and then we'll dunk you in water and you'll feel it. We'll dunk you in water and you'll never forget that moment. Amen. And then that will begin a whole new awakened life for you so that you can experience God, not just believe in him. We appreciate people believing in God. The truth is every human believes in God, whether they admit it or not. The reality is you can't experience him till you give your life to him till you receive Jesus Christ. To them, he gave the right to become the sons of God to everyone who believes on his name. Amen. 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 So that's, that's the message of salvation. That's how people get saved. It's by your heart and by your mouth. So your mouth's very important. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, I want to talk today about if you're going to walk by faith, it begins with a decision and words. Your journey depends on your decisions and your words. So don't, don't think it's just luck or chance or God didn't or God did. No, it happens because of a belief and because of words. And once you learn this, all of a sudden now you recognize how, why your path behind you is all jagged. And then you remember, oh yeah, the Bible says something about make your path straight. Yeah, he'll make your path straight. He'll make the crooked places straight. How does he do it? You got to follow the system. So if you look back and you're, so, so the bad news is you look back and you see why your, your journey's so jagged, but there's hope for today. The future doesn't have to be so jagged. The future can be a little bit straighter. The future can be a highway, a highway, a highway where the redeemed walk, a highway where you know where you're headed. How do you know where you're headed? Because you believe something very particular and you say something very particular. What you believe and what you say is going to set your highway. So let's read some scripture here just to prove it out. James chapter one. Here's the first premise. I'm not going to go into detail here, but it is a very important aspect of faith. And really faith hinges on this first and then words second. It says here, verse six, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord for he is double, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Notice this. If you ask in faith, you cannot doubt with no doubting, not doubting, not wavering, No wavering, no doubting. A double-minded man who can't make up his mind, is God going to answer or not? Is the scripture going to come to pass for you or not? How many plans do you need? A, is A enough or B, C, do you need all these backup plans? 
When will you decide that God will say yes? When will you decide the scripture says absolutely? When will you decide that God's word will come to pass for you? Until you can decide that, you're double-minded. And if you're like that, then I, I can't let you think you're getting anything. I'll just tell you right now, you're, get, you're not going to get anything from God. Until you can decide. You understand? And it's going to apply to every aspect of your life. Until you can decide that God will say yes. Until you decide God will answer. Until you can trust God. Until you believe the scripture promise will come to pass for you. Amen. You're still too double-minded and I can't let you think you're getting anything. It says don't let, the, don't let that man suppose. I cannot let you suppose that you're getting your prayer answered. If you're going to pray all worried-ish. Decide. If you decide God's word comes to pass, you will have zero worry. All right, so first step is you're going to have to decide. First step of faith, make your decision. What has God said? What will I believe? What will he do? What can I count on? I'm going to count on one thing from God and that's it. I'm going to count on this thing from God and that settles it. Don't need my backup plans I'm trusting this one thing about I know about God. One thing I've decided about God. You're getting it. I know you're getting it because it's quiet. I don't, I don't trust many services where everybody's amen and back. Preachers love the amen section. Teachers would rather you just be quiet. Not necessarily, but uh, it does so happen that as you're learning, you're not giving. As you're receiving, you're really not giving too much. So the amen services is what everybody already knows, that truth. And we need those because they're inspirational. I better get off of this. Okay, let's go. I like both. And I certainly like your face to show that you're happy. So even if it's a quiet service, at least act like I like this. So James chapter three, second step. First step, make your decision. Of course, James chapter two gives us a little combination, but I'm not going to get into that. It's faith without works is dead. So if you really believe it, man, something's going to come out. Faith without works is dead. Verse 26 of chapter two, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So if you have made your decision, we will know it. And it's not about we knowing it, really. It's about you knowing it. It's about you making it clear to yourself and the unseen world what you've decided. Chapter 3, verse 1, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a, a stricter judgment. That's another topic. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they're so large and driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little, little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And sets on fire the course of nature, and it's set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has, not been, and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless God and our Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a spring send forth water? Send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Stop there. It's like he's going to read the whole chapter. Now I just wanted you to see enough about the tongue, how it is an unruly evil until a spirit-filled person gets hold of it. it says no man can tame the tongue. Well, well you actually can. Once you get filled with the Spirit, you actually can tame the tongue. 
Once you get saved, there's a possibility. Once you get some power in you, there's a high probability. And, and, it, and primarily it's because once you get filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with tongues, now you've got a connection from the Holy Spirit to your tongue. Or we could say the Holy Spirit to your spirit. Your spirit gets connected to your tongue. And if you'll pray in tongues a lot, your tongue will start uh, obeying your spirit more. You won't just fly off the handle and say stuff you ought not be saying. So most people can't control the tongue, but spirit-filled people who pray in tongues can absolutely control your tongue. So it says the tongue is an unruly evil and it sets on fire the course of nature just like a little match or a little spark can light a whole forest fire that's dry. So can the tongue ruin your life. But it can also burn a path for your freeway to be laid. Let's say it that way. The tongue steers the ship. The, the tongue guides your future. If the tongue can head you in an evil direction, it can head you in a good direction. So when we help people receive Jesus, we say, okay, now when you say this, this, will, this is your step. This, this is setting your first step toward the Lord. When you say the truth, you're headed the right direction. Believe it and say it and there you go. Just say it about another thousand times and you'll be three football, football fields down the way. That's how you live your life. You're going to have to set your course with your belief and with your tongue. How many of you are going to control your tongue? You're going to have to start saying words on purpose. You're going to have to decide the right words to believe, and you have to say those words on purpose and quit groveling about all your destruction. Depressed people have said the wrong words for a long time. Anxious people have thought on, believed, and said the wrong words for a long time. Hopeless people have thought on, believed, and said the wrong words for a long time. You're going to have to get God's word out, believe the right thing, and then say it on purpose. On purpose. Precise. You can't just be passive with what you believe. You're going to have to get the word, believe the word, believe the scripture, and you're going to have to say it on purpose. You're going to have to mean it with all your heart. You're going to have to say it until you mean it with all your heart. You're going to have to stand on it until it comes to pass. I'm not budging from it because I found the word and I'm anchored to the word, and this word is the hope for my soul. I am stuck to it, and I'm not moving. Okay? Now, not many people in life can do it that way. Many people are just flapping lips all the time. Many people are saying good stuff and bad stuff. They're like this. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter? Sunday morning, whoo, 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 good water, fresh water. Monday, bitter. Tuesday, bitter. Wednesday, more, more national news, bitter. Thursday, bitter. Friday, more bitter. Saturday, talk to friends who are bitter, more bitter. And then Sunday, yay, fresh water. Go to my prayer closet, say good things, leave my prayer closet, come out grumbling. These things ought not to be. Brother James knew what he was talking about. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. You're blessing God and singing all this good stuff to God, but you're cursing people who are made just like him. So uh, elated with God, but ticked off at everybody else. Oh, I'm not. Until you get to traffic or until you get to the fast food window. My only problem is when I go to the fast food window and try to get an icy or a, or a shake, and they're like, oh, the machine's broken. Oh, my. It's like... Has anybody in any fast food chain ever heard of a backup icy maker? Have a backup. Listen, we, it doesn't take long to learn that you need a battery backup. 
You keep losing files at your office, get a battery backup or something. <clears throat> but you're going to have to say some right words if your life's going to get on track. It might have been off track for a long time. Sure, sure. Uh, confess Jesus as Lord and then say a bunch of other right things. Uh, Job 22 says, you will declare a thing and it shall be established unto you. So light will shine on your ways. Declare a thing. Say it like you mean it. Stop giving so many junky words. It mixes all up and you don't even trust your own mouth. That's one of the problems with faith and, and, and failures in faith walking. You know, Christians are like, yes, I'm going to do it. One of the failures is that people don't even trust their own words. You've said so many ridiculous things that you can't trust yourself, can you? You should be able to trust your word. You need to be a person of your word. If you've had a, per, a problem being a person of your word where you say it and you really don't do it and you never really stick to what you said, uh, then you're going to have a hard time with faith. You know, we get used to the public not honoring their word so much that now we need a contract and a notary to prove it. And then a second notary and a second witness and a third witness. And man, we need to see you sign. Well, that's because we don't trust people's word. But if you're a Christian, we should be able to trust your word. And if we can trust your word and you can trust your word, man, when you say stuff, it'll start happening for you. God will start being alerted. It's like the spirit world knows if you trust your word. The spirit world knows if you trust God's word. The unseen world, the angels in heaven and God himself knows if you really believe what you're saying. Sometimes people think they're saying all the right things, but it's still not working. Uh, it's because it's not really uh, in your heart. You're just saying it on the surface. You've got to believe it in your heart. You've got to make your decision final, and then you've got to say it. Remember Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. By your words. And then he said, every idle word that you speak, you'll give an account for. So be careful about those idle words. Don't just be careful, eliminate those idle words. Like if you haven't been praying and reading your Bible for about a week, don't say anything. Just quit talking. Really, if you can't connect with God and stay connected to God, the sweet fountain, don't say anything. Really, if you're not in a good spiritual place, that is the very worst time to go blab your troubles to somebody. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Your, your words will work for you, okay? If you need to change in, 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 in job or career or finances, say the right thing. Decide, God will give me one. He'll promote me. He'll supply everything. He supplies all my need. My, my, my God, I don't have to worry because my God will take care of me better than a flower. Say, believe the right thing and say the right thing. It will work. Well, I've been saying that. It will work. Well, I've tried that. It'll work. Believe the power of the seed. The seed is the word of God. And it's, it's how the kingdom works. The kingdom works as if a, a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. And he doesn't know how, but first the blade pops up and then the, then the stalk and then the full corn in the stalk. stalk. And then he puts in the sickle and gets the harvest. You don't know how it's going to work, but you just do the, do the system. Isn't that right? Remember the Chinese bamboo tree? You plant the seed, and for five years, you've got to water it every day for five years, and it never comes up. And then it finally sprouts, and in five, five weeks, it goes 90 feet tall. Whoa, I've been waiting on my miracle. Wow, there it is. Yeah, but you had to be serious about it. You had to water that thing. You had to be committed to it. So when you say something, commit to it. Believe it, it'll come to pass. What's taking so long? Just work the system. Just say it, just believe it. And yes, you will have to endure. You will have to ignore the, the clock, sometimes the calendar. You'll have to ignore that. And just stick to the end, the end of my hope. Declaring the end from the beginning is how God does it and it's how we should do it. You find the truth, don't you budge from it. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Stop putting all of your emotional expectation on the process. Everybody wants a perfect process. Uh, you're going to have to let go of that if you're ever going to see a miracle. 
And that's why some people, I think, miss their miracles. You know, in the Bible, you see some very imperfect process. Like Jesus uh, spat and he put mud on somebody's eyes. Hmm, let me make, let me make some spittle and some mud, and then now go wash in the pool of Siloam. That's a, that's a dirty process. Can you imagine that entire time the blind fellow's thinking, this is ridiculous. But I'm doing it because the man of God said, I'm doing it because it's right. I'm doing it because I believe. Oh, but this feels very ridiculous. Yes, it took a while, took a thing. Well, endure through that. That's part of the faith walk. Through, through faith and patience, we inherit the process the promises, right? So there's another story of a, they found a, a, a seed, a 2000 year old seed was found on the stone, some of the, some stone thing in uh, Israel. And they found this seed and they kept it for a long time. They found it in 1963 and they finally planted it, I think in 2005, after studying it and looking at it and thinking about it and whatever they did with it. Uh, the archeologists planted it and it, and it sprouted. And it turned out to be uh, some sort of a palm tree that's been extinct for 1,800 years. That's how powerful a seed is. There's a miracle inside that seed. But nothing happens until it's planted. Many people do that with their belief. You believe it. I know you believe the Bible. When will you say it? When will you decide that it will work for you? When will you say it like you mean it and not back down? That's how people get healed. Not doing it is how people don't. Get serious about it. Take all the question marks out and just throw them away and say the scripture and believe it until it comes to pass for you. You've heard a lot of my stories, a lot of other people's stories that confessing the word actually does something. Yeah, confess the word for a reason. Because I believe that 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 truth is a seed that must go into the ground. It must be watered. It must be fertilized. And then bam, I'm getting something from it. God's pleased with that. He likes it when we believe his word enough to follow the system. And in that, you'll find great connection and intimacy and closeness to God because you'll see who he is. The reality of God within will come to pass. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Psalm 55. Psalm 55. Uh, I want to apply this today. There's many ways to apply it. We've already talked about some, uh, but I want to apply this in the realm of prayer life and examine really, I think, one of the first elements of prayer that Christians need to get familiar with. And I find myself uh, coaching people or encouraging people or instructing people or correcting people so often when they have prayer requests to do this one thing that I hear what you're saying and doing, and that's all wonderful, but there's this one thing that you've got to do if you're going to get your prayer answered. Because if you can't do this thing, it's going to hinder all your other praying. You're going to have to learn that once you've prayed, it's over. Once you've made your request, he's heard you, and then you'll have the petitions that we desired of him. First John 5, 14, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, then we have the petitions we desired from him. Make sense? Okay, so you have to do that. You have to know that we have the petitions after you've prayed. And so re-praying and re-praying and re-praying is part of the problem. There's a reason. It's the reason. It's not that you re-prayed. Oh, oh, you prayed twice. That doesn't count then. No, it's the reason you prayed twice. The reason you prayed a thousand times. The reason you keep rehearsing all of the problem. It's because you didn't believe it in the first place and you're too worried about it. So this first element of prayer, or we can say the first type of prayer, because prayer comes in many forms. The prayer of faith, the prayer of thanksgiving, the prayer of worship, the prayer of intercession, the prayer of supplication. There's many prayers, types of praying, and we've talked about. There's united prayer, there's prayer in tongues, there's many types of prayer. This type of prayer you're going to have to get straight. It's the prayer of commitment. And what I mean by commitment, it's being able to commit things to God. Or we could say being able to cast cares to God. And if you don't get this one, you'll carry too much anxiety in your praying to get answers to any other type of prayer. The prayer of committing your troubles, your cares 
to God. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. See that? Cast your burden on the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord? How do you do that? How do you do that? You've been been entangled with the burden for so long. How do you cast your burden? It's there every day with you. How do you do it? With your words. Thank you, Brother Patrick. With your words. How do you cast it? With your words. Your words matter. How do you cast your burden? With your words. I find myself telling people this all the time. And, I, and then I do it with them. Now, here's what we're going to do. You're going you're to cast it, and you're never going to worry again. Yes, how are you going to do that? You're going to say it out loud. You're going to throw it out there. Praise the Lord. Look at, since we're close, 56 verse 3. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. Notice how this word is important. Have you ever thought I will praise his word? You ever thought that? You need to get so intimate with the word of God that you're able to praise his word. He said seven times a day, I will give thanks for your word. I will lift my hands to your word, he said, Psalm 119. I will lift my hands to your word. You ever liked his word that much? That's how sincere he is about his word. That's how powerful he is. His word is exalted very, very highly. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Verse 10, in God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? You're going to have to get there. You're going to have to get there. I say, cast your burden on the Lord and he'll sustain you. Praise the Lord. Uh, Go to Luke chapter eight. A couple scriptures in Luke. We're going to see Luke chapter eight. You're going to have to cast your cares to the Lord for he cares for you. Remember uh, Philippians four, six through eight. Everybody loves that. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds. Remember that? Okay, so it's very true, but you've got to look at the elements there. It says, do not, really, the, the Amplified says, do not... Uh, have any anxiety about anything, but in everything, pray, supplicate with thanksgiving. That thanksgiving part's very important. It's the proof that you've disconnected. It's the proof you've actually cast your care when you can actually thank God for the answer. When you can go over into the, oh, glory to God, I got it. Thank you, Lord. Thanksgiving's supposed to be added to your prayer. It's the proof for you to know, man, I've really, I've really cast this care to the Lord. And that's one reason why singing is very important in our Christian life. It's because that helps us disconnect from the worry for a moment. It helps us forget the troubles. You're supposed to pray, cast your care, and then sing. Pray, cast your care, and then thank God. Be done with it. Go have a good day. Watch him take care of your troubles. But if you want to pray, cast your care, and then reel it back in, then you're going to have to carry your burden. So you're going to learn, you got to learn how to cast your care with your own committed words. Just practice it right now. Say this out loud. Say, I cast my care, cast my care to, you, to you, God. And I'm done with it. Now give him some thanksgiving. Go ahead. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Not worried anymore. That's why I say out of your mouth, you need to say, okay, now I'm not worried anymore. And your brain is saying, but you are. And your body's saying, but you are. And your circumstance saying, but you still are worried. Nope, 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 not worried, not worried, not worried. And that's why we say, say that out loud until it goes away. Why? Because your words matter. If you're going to whip anxiety and worry in your life, you've got to say it out loud. You cannot just look bad. 
sitting in the house <laughs> with this huge weight of burden on you. The way you get burdens and weights off of you is with your words. Set on fire the course. Burn those troubles up. Cast those cares far. Let God handle those things. When will you commit your way unto the Lord so he can bring it to pass? When will you commit your way to the Lord? I don't know. Well, why don't you at least say you're gonna? Just say you're gonna. Just see what happens if you'll say you're gonna. Say it out loud. Say, I'm going to commit my way to the Lord. I'm going to commit my way to the Lord. I'm going to decide where I'm headed. Now, you still got to have to commit your way, but at least you're saying you're going to. See how you can, you can start stepping toward reality or power or supernatural connection to God. You start stepping that way by what you believe. Now, now, half the Christian church does not like this type of message. They're like, oh, I don't know why. why. Look, everybody wants the supernatural to be way beyond their reach. Like, they just want it to be out there and happen, and angels and visions and bam and boom and miracles and bushes and all this kind of stuff happening. Wow, wow, wow. Not realizing that the steps of the kingdom, the steps to the supernatural, the reality of miracles and faith and power happen by God's system. And he allows all of us to do it. And it never looks sensational when it's happening. Jesus spit mud, blind eyes, pool of Siloam, river Jordan, dip. None of it looks sensational on the outside. People keep thinking we're looking for this grand stuff that used to happen. Back when it was happening, it didn't look grand. Like you'd have, you'd have stumbled too over some of the things Jesus did. People think, oh, Smith Wigglesworth. Yes, yes, we love the inspiration and the example that he set. But if you lived in Smith Wigglesworth's day, you would have had to deal with some very harsh things. Like you'd have been in a meeting, hit, hit five people, and you might never know that they got healed. Now we got the book to tell us they were healed. You'd have had to go home thinking, why did that guy hit everybody? I don't know why he's hitting everybody. I thought he was just going to pray for him, like call in the name of the Lord. In, in the process, miracles don't look sensational. Gone are the days of Moses holding the rod over the sea. I want one of those. I just want a whoosh. In that day, those Israelites weren't very amazed. They were like, oh, let's go, I guess. The water's going to hold up. I don't know. They had to trek through that. We, we think it's all like this, this, this puff of magic smoke that happens when miracles happen. No, no, no. It happens because you believe something and you said something, or somebody did. Right. Might have happened in the prayer closet before they came out. Might have happened before you went to work. Might have happened when nobody could see and nobody could hear, but it happened because somebody believed something and said something. And for your personal life, it's going to be by what you believe and what you cast or commit to the Lord in prayer many times. And if you've had a prayer request and you've prayed many times, I think uh, the one thing you're needing is you're going to have to finally commit it. You're going to have to commit it to the Lord. You're going to have to actually disconnect from the worry, the care, the burden, the extreme emotional tie and desire you have to the thing, or you'll never get, he'll never be able to take it on. <clears throat> Luke chapter eight, verse 14 this is the, the sower sows the word, and it goes in various grounds. Some ground, it doesn't work. Verse 14, now the ones that fell among thorns are those, when they have heard, go out and are choked with what? Cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. So you want the word you say and the word you believe to bring some fruit, but sometimes it gets thrown on hearts that are full of cares, riches, pleasures of life, and they get no fruit from what they heard in church, what they believed in Bible reading. Man, 
Is everybody still here? I know you believe the right thing. That's wonderful. I know you've even said the right thing sometimes, but sometimes you have too many cares. The cares are choking the word, but I've said it 55 times that your cares, your anxieties are choking it. Luke 21 verse 34 says, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. So what's worse, carousing, drunkenness, or cares of this life? Two of them are visibly recognizable. The third is in your heart. Cares of this life will weigh you down. You must learn how to cast them to the Lord. I know you care deeply. I know things are bad. I know circumstances get, they get tough. I mean, emergencies come. I know, I know there's chaos that's knocking at the door. What are you going to do? Well, you better deal with it and then cast it. We're not just saying ignore your troubles. We're saying connect to God about your troubles and be done with it. We're saying go to God, make your request known, find your promise to believe, and then be done with it. That's all we're saying. Be, connect with God and his power and be done with it. When you come for prayer at the front, get connection to God with a prayer partner and then be done with it and go home happy. Go home thanking God. Go home, forget about it for a while. <clears throat> Let me bring this up. I've read it before, but it's in my book, Call of the Christian. There's a chapter on how to pray for the lost in here, but it also has some other principle. Because people praying for lost family members or wayward family members or backslidden Christian kids or something like that, uh, it can get pretty taxing, meaning it's like, oh, I'm so worried. For years, I've been praying for my kid. I'm, I've been praying for my family member, my spouse, whatever. And, and it just takes this toll on Christians. And it's like, when I hear people do this, I say, have you done this yet, though? Have you done this yet? I hear you've been praying for them. I have a feeling God's heard every one of those prayers. So what's needed for something to happen is not one more prayer. Is it possible that after years of praying for someone to be saved, that what's needed is not one more time you trying to persuade God to do something? Is it possible? Maybe some other things are possible. Maybe some other techniques in prayer are needed to get the prayer answered. And, and here's one. Okay, here's the story of Stephen Merritt. If you've ever read the book, you'll remember it. He was a godly old undertaker in the city of New York. His dear old wife and he had a godly life, had lived a godly life. They raised one son, his name was Charlie. And if there was ever a reprobate, it was that son, Charlie. Reprobate, heathen. Charlie would get into some disreputable affair. The police would come and say, Charlie's done so and so. It'll take so much money to get him out of the difficulty. The next week, another would come along with something else. And so it went on and on. The two old gray heads were praying and pouring out their tears for that boy's salvation. Sounds like an adult son. One day as he sat in his office, he was praying about his son and the floor was wet with his tears when he heard the voice of God saying, how long have you been trying to save Charlie? So many of us are trying to quote, save Charlie and we've gotten in the way of the Lord. He replied, Lord, a long time. The Lord said, now if you're through, I will undertake. The old man considered and it worked out in his soul this way. You don't have to do it this way, but this is how he was able to make himself disconnect. The police came again at some point and said, Charlie did so and so. And he asked, who is Charlie? The old man. <laughs> Why, he is your son. No, I have no son, Charlie. He had cast him so far to God, he didn't even <laughs> register as his son. That day as he knelt there, he said, Lord, he is not my son anymore. I give him over to you until he's saved. So he told police, no, I have no son. They looked at him and shook their heads. Then they sent another officer. But it was no use to go to this man anymore. It looked as if the old man had gone crazy. <laughs> About nine months passed. And one day an officer came and said, Charlie has jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge and is finished. He wanted the old man to have the river dragged to obtain the body, but he said, oh no, I have no son, Charlie. 
Drag the river if you want to. So they dragged the river, but the body they found was not Charlie's. Three more months had passed, and one day a clerk said, there's one of your friends in the office, and when he came in, it was Charlie. He was beautifully dressed, clean-faced, everything indicating the light of God. When the old father came in, the son fell at his feet, kissed him, and asked his forgiveness. He said in an explanation, three months ago, I was saved in a mission, but I did not want to come and see you until I came as a man. Just an example, something very dear to you, you're going to have to find a way to cast it and disconnect from the emotional trauma that you've experienced. The worry, the burden, the, the stress and the strain and the, oh my gosh, I just couldn't bear if whatever. It could be for healing. It could be really for anything. It could be for your own healing. It could be for your own financial despair. It could be for anything. When have you prayed enough? When will you connect with your belief and your decision, cast it to God, walk off thank, thanking God, receiving the promise, rejoicing in the promise? I'm telling you, that's when God will come through for you. He's not holding back just for time's sake. It's until your heart gets it. Our heart has to light up with this reality that we trust in him and not in our own understanding. The next little portion here is called the human clutch. When our soul has clutched our problem so tightly, it doesn't matter how much you pray about it. It ain't going to come to pass. And this doesn't negate intercession where you do need to tap into the spirit and pray for people and all that. That's the first part of this chapter. But it does mean that at some point, you have to let go emotionally. Emotional praying doesn't work. Spiritual praying does work. So in your case, you might not have to disown your child, just disown your emotion. And when you think about your child or your, whoever you're praying about, that's when you say, thank you, Lord. I know you got them. And you walk off again. Anytime the, the care comes, the word, thank you, Lord. I, I've cast it to you. I ain't picking it back up. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Maybe you could set aside a time to cast your cares. How about that? How about decide, okay, tonight, tonight, I'm getting down to business. I'm going to spend 15 minutes connecting to God, uh, 15 more minutes praying in tongues, and then I'm going to commit my cares to the Lord. I'm going to cast all my cares to the Lord for he cares for me. I'm going to be done with it. Tonight, tonight's my night. Set a time. Praise the Lord. So how do you cast, how do you cast with words, just like casting out demons? How do you cast out demons with words, not with prayer. You don't cast out demons with some long prayer to God. You, you, you say it, you got it. That's what cast it, cast out demons, cast out your cares, cast off your cares, cast your burden to the Lord. Hallelujah. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Maybe this is uh, the final, final lap. I said maybe. I want to give you a little hope, just not full hope. I want you to start believing in your words. Believing that you actually have some authority in your life. Believe that your tongue can be tamed. Believe that your tongue could cause something wonderful to happen. Amen. John Osteen has a book called There's a Miracle in Your Mouth. We've taught messages and titled them There's a Miracle in Your Mouth. You're like, you copied his title? Absolutely. I copy everything that's good. There's no copyright on the scriptures. There's no copyright on stuff like that. Man, you hear a truth, let's use it. Come on, everybody needs this, the truth. Everybody needs something that'll help you. There's a miracle inside your mouth. Everybody do that. Take your finger. Don't stick it in your mouth, but point to your mouth. Say, there's a miracle in my mouth. I just got to say things right. Doesn't that feel good? Come on, that spiritual reality that your tongue has power in it. Life and death are truly in the power of your tongue. And God knows when you, when you see it. God knows when you make that decision. When you sit there and pray and you say, okay, that, that settles it.
You don't have to get louder. That settles, all right, that settles it. This scripture's coming to pass for me. That settles it. That settles it. Done. And then as you're saying it, you're thinking, okay, did I feel it? Am I connecting? Am I, do I got it? Do I got it? Yeah, say it again. Just make sure. Make sure. And then, whoo, you'll actually sense the relief. Once you commit your cares, you will sense the relief. So you stay in the prayer closet until you sense the relief. Like, let's practice it. Say this. Say, I commit this care to God. I'm casting the care to you. Okay, I'm casting it to you right now. Okay, God, I cast it to you right now. Okay, I'm casting it. You got it, right? I'm not going to worry about it anymore. All right, I'm freed from the worry. I've cast it to you, God. I've done it. I've done it. You've got it, God. Thanks, God. All right. Now, in that process, detect. Did you really cast it? Are you feeling it? Do it until your spirit feels it. Not your flesh, not your mind. Do it until your spirit is relieved. I've sat there. I've sat there for an hour before, even longer. Lord, I'm casting the care. I'm casting the care. I'm casting the care. Now I'm taking this whole thing. I'm sorry for worrying about it. I'm casting the whole thing. Casting the whole thing. I'm casting the whole thing. Casting the whole thing. Holy Spirit, remind me. I'm casting this whole thing right now. I'm not going to pick it up again. I'm casting this whole thing. Okay, here it goes, Lord. I'm casting the whole thing. Cast in the whole thing. Do motions if you have to do motions. But somehow get your heart to cast the care. Your heart and your mouth. You got it? Got to follow God's system. These principles of faith. These are the laws of faith. That your heart and your mouth have to get connected. And believe right things and say right things. Ephesians 2. Final scripture. I'm really not going to teach it, but I want to. Sometimes it's like, why is this so hard? And I have a feeling it's because we don't really understand some of the, some of the attributes of God himself as a person and as a covenant friend. And this word called covenant is where you can really start trusting somebody. And I think this is one of the reasons why we don't, we're not able to pray right. We're praying this old-fashioned unbelief style of way. I told somebody before, you're praying like a Baptist. <laughs> if you're a Baptist, get baptized in water, praise the Lord, and then get filled with the Spirit, you'll be a Pentecostal, so you'll be Bapticostal, and we can move forward from here. I'm not really putting down a denomination, but I've been around some denominational Christians a lot, and, and there's just a little bit of a dryness uh, to their prayer. And then once you get spirit filled and, and faith taught, ah, it's different. It's different. So you don't want to just grovel about, and, and, and one of the examples of, of what, what are you talking about? One of the examples is like somebody in a prayer. Now, Lord, you know, you know that Sally has been dealing with this for a long time. And, and you know that the struggles her family are facing and Lord, you know, and you, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, yes, yes, they know. He knows, he knows, he knows. Can you get to the request part? Can, can you get to the requesting he knows. He knows what you need before you ask. Can you stop telling him what he knows? He knows. I'm not really putting it down, but I do want you to uh, be, be warned for your own self in prayer not to go carnal, not to go just weak, milky, mealy mouth. What's mealy mouth? I don't look it up. Just... Idle word, just talking, just rehearsing troubles. The Lord told me one time, he said, I've given my people uh, a weapon against worry. It's called prayer. Once you've prayed, he said, but what, what happens is you're not supposed to worry after you prayed. Because if you worry after you prayed, then what you did was not praying. It was worrying out loud. So worrying out loud really is not prayer. Now, of course, if you're talking to God and just, uh, sure, you could call it prayer in some way, but it's just not effective prayer for sure. Worrying out loud doesn't get you anywhere. So be careful of that. And, and here's one of the reasons. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12. Uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, meaning people without a covenant, 
If you're not Jewish, then you're Gentile, but now we're saved, so we're actually in the family, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hand. So the Jews would look at you and call you a Gentile. Verse 12, that at that time, meaning before the cross, you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And I'll end with that today. We're going to need to do some some teaching or, or some preaching on covenant. Because being strangers from covenant means you don't understand what covenant means. Because we weren't brought up making blood covenants, then it's a little blind to it. So it's a little far off for us. So maybe if we understood covenant better, we could trust God better. Because now in Christ Jesus, we have covenant. And he's able to show his kindness toward us for the ages to come. But you're going to have to have revelation of what covenant really means. Then you can cast your cares and actually trust him because you understand how committed he is to you. He's extremely committed to you because you're a covenant friend. Covenant friend is binding. Covenant making is secure forever. And he made covenant with us through Jesus Christ. When Jesus shed his blood, a covenant was made between God and man. You and I are secure because of covenant. You just got to believe it. And if you believe it, you'll cast your care right to him. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.